You are listening to the Reality Steve podcast with your host, Reality Steve. He's got all the latest info and behind-the-scenes juice on Claire's upcoming season of The Bachelorette and interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. Now, here's Reality Steve. Hey, hey, what's up? Welcome to podcast number 181. I am your host, Reality Steve. Again, thank you all for tuning in. Got another great show for you this week comedian Nikki Glazer is on the podcast. You've seen her basically everywhere. I mean, she is one of the hottest comics going right now, well, before the quarantine, since nobody's doing any comedy right now. But the amount of things that she has been on from the Comedy Central roasts to the roast battle on Comedy Central as a judge a couple weeks ago, she was on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire Celebrity Edition. She had a stand-up on Netflix that came out in the end of 2019 called Bangin', which is hilarious. Um, Nikki is a very busy person, even though she is currently quarantined with her parents in Missouri and has been for the last two months. She's been a very tough person to get a hold of. I've asked her since before she was on Dancing with the Stars if she would come on the podcast, and we've always just kind of worked around her schedule. And I'm just like, look, whenever you can do it, it's fine by me. I can pretty much record whenever. I'm way less busy than you are. And even during the quarantine, she's like, I can do it, but. Uh, I can do it on this day, and I've got about 30 minutes tops, and I'm saying, hey, I'll take it. So we do rip through a lot of things uh, real quickly. I would have loved to spend more time with her, but I'll take what I can get when it comes to Nikki Glazer. because in my mind, I've seen Nikki live three times. Uh, in my mind, she's one of the best com- comedians going out there, top five right now, and the fact she brings it up in the podcast, you'll hear her talk about it, but the fact that she's doing theater comedy now, not just comedy clubs, means you've made it in comedy. When you are performing in front of, you know, 5,000 and 10,000 seat arenas and not 300 seat comedy clubs, you've made it. And that's what she's uh, turned into now once comedy starts back up. She had just started doing theater tours and uh, then the quarantine hit. But we talk about a lot of stuff. We got a lot of stuff to go over with her. We talk about Dance with the Stars. We talk about uh, her stint on The Bachelor where she appeared on Caitlyn's season for one of the group dates. We talk about the Comedy Central roasts because I'm fascinated by the roasts. I love them, um, but I'm always weirded out by them a little bit. And I just want to get her perspective as a comedian on that. So some good talk with Nikki today coming up in a little bit. One thing from this point forward on my podcasts, this is something that I don't know if you'll notice. Behind the scenes, we have a new um, podcast host. So that might change for you. I think you'll notice the the ads come a little differently than they did before. Um, it doesn't really concern you, but just know you'll be hearing the ads a little bit differently uh, than you did before. It's just um, things change in the podcast industry, and now we're doing the ads a little bit differently. You'll, you'll still hear the same ads uh, that you usually get, but you'll hear the ads just a little bit differently uh, this time around. So uh, starting from this podcast uh, going forward, because we switched over uh, to a new host this week. A couple things in Bachelor Nation I wanted to get to before we get started. Again, please, every Sunday night, if you want to check out me and Ashley Spivey's Instagram Live, we go on at 8 Eastern, 5 Central, excuse me, 7 Central, 6 Mountain, 5 Pacific. And we just take your we, we take your calls. We'd still love to do a podcast. We just haven't had any people contacting us about being on the podcast. So if you want to be a part of the podcast, email me and uh, let me know what time zone you're in. Let me know your situation. Do you have Skype? Best time for you to record. And we'll hopefully get that done and Ashley and I can start doing podcasts again. But until then, during this quarantine, we like just to catch up with the fans and speak to you guys every Sunday night at 8 o'clock Eastern. If you watch this past Sunday night, you'll know I got a ring light. Uh, I felt that I needed to upgrade. And for any interviews that I do do, uh, instead of, you know, putting the tripod on my desk and having, you know, my desk as the background, I just thought I'd do something different. So I got I got myself a ring light. Also, uh, I'm going to mention it uh, until this continues, until masks are needed. Um, my father uh, has a company that oversees that makes N95 masks. I know they're hard to come by. We have capabilities to get N95 masks. I've been promoting this for a couple weeks now. Our first shipment already sold out. So I was right now we're at a position where 
those masks, uh, if you order them, you probably get them about four to six weeks delivery time, and it's a 600-piece minimum now. So anybody, any hospitals, any businesses that need these masks, email me at steve at realitysteve.com. I will forge information onto my father. He is handling everything. But uh, that's where we're at right now with N95 masks. If you need them, which I know people do, um, the, the pricing is competitive. I don't want to give out the pricing because it changes every day. Shipping prices change every day. It's all dependent on when you order. Uh, so I don't want to give you any wrong pricing. So email me if you're interested, steve at realitysteve.com. I'll forward it on to my father, uh, and he'll take care of it. Moving on in Bachelor Nation world, um, you know, Peter and Kelly are now official. I think that that doesn't surprise anybody just because of we've kind of seen you don't quarantine with somebody for a month that you are platonic with, uh, especially a girl that was on your season (laughs) that you clearly had an interest in at some point. So I don't think anybody's surprised that Peter and Kelly are together. I certainly think that this was, they've been together for, I think they've known they were either together or were going to be together. They just didn't want to say something right away out of, I don't know, respect to Madison since within a week of his finale ending, he was seen in Chicago with Kelly. Um, I don't really know. I don't know anything about their relationship. Clearly, there's been rumors that they've been seeing each other ever since his breakup with Hannah Ann at the end of January. What we do know is Kelly and Peter were both in Miami for Super Bowl weekend. What we know is Kelly and Peter were both in Los Angeles for Women Tell All weekend. We know that Kelly wasn't on Women Tell All, but we know she was there because she was posting pictures with the women at the after party of the Women Tell All. So could something have happened both of those times? I guess only those two really know. Will they ever answer it? Probably not. Um, But look, if Peter and Kelly end up together and that's who he ends up with and he ends up getting married to her, so be it. Great for them. I do think some probably some girl codes were probably broken, regardless of if Peter and Madison were ever serious. Kelly and Madison were friends on the show. It's clear as day. Anybody that watched the show knew that anybody that when the when they got back from filming, were very well aware that Kelly and Madison were close. And my guess is now they're not. And the only reason for that would be because a man came between them. Who knows if we'll ever get the real story, the full story behind it. But I do think that things probably could have been handled a little bit better. Does it make Peter a horrible person? No. Does it make Kelly a horrible person? No. Does it make Madison, uh, you know, an angel through all this? No. It just, I think there's so much that went on that the public and a lot of us aren't aware of. Trust me, I've heard plenty of rumors uh, this whole season, but again, we're in this situation where I can feed into the rumors and just tell you the rumors, but I know how things work now, and anything that comes out of my mouth is taken as fact, even if I say, this is what I'm hearing, or this is a rumor. It turns into, Reality Steve said this. And I just don't like to play that game. Uh, In the past, would I have? Absolutely. But with everything that happened with Jenna, and things are just going to be different going forward. It's just the way it is, unfortunately. You're not going to get tea unless I can really, really verify it and can back it up with something. There will be times on occasion that I will give you something where it's like, hey, this is what I'm hearing. Um or maybe stuff that I've seen behind the scenes, but if I release it, then I'm re- then I'm giving up a source, which I'm not going to do, so I just leave it at, hey, trust me, I've seen enough to know this is true. Um, I guess you could take that with the Trevor stuff on uh, Listen to Your Heart. Like I've seen what I've needed to see in regards to his Playboy ways, but you know, no one's watching Listen to Your Heart anyway, so it's like if a tree falls in a forest, does anybody hear it? It's like if Listen to Your Heart airs every Monday from 7 to 9 Central Time, is anybody watching? And the answer is pretty much no, they're not. So I don't really feel the need to trample all over Trevor. And he's already broken up with Jamie anyway. She's already seen his his ways. So does it really matter? So there's that. I, I You know, look, I wish Peter and Kelly the best. Do I think it, things could have been handled differently? Yes. Do I think there are things that the public doesn't know? Absolutely. It's just their decision on whether or not they choose to share that at some point down the line. Um, 
my guess is they're not going to. It'd be best if they just continue with their relationship, see where it goes, and just not dive into anything that because the public feels they have to know that Peter and Kelly need to justify their relationship with anybody else. I know a lot of people want answers. I'd be curious to know what the real story was, but if they're not going to give it to us, I'm not going to badmouth them or call them names or think they're a shitty couple. Peter was messy all season and his ending result of being with Kelly turns out to be a little bit messy. It's, I guess this is just what we should have expected from Peter Weber. Uh, his, his ex Kaylee Lutz, who came forward during Hannah's season and said, yeah, this guy was one week. He was telling me he wanted me to move to LA or move to California with him. And the next week he dumps me and gives me no reason only to find out he's, you know, getting cast on the bachelor. You know, it's like, okay, Peter's been messy this whole time. And, um, he had the storyline going in to be the bachelor changed his mind three times. It's just, He's messy Peter is what he is, but um, there will always be messy people in this franchise. He just happens to be one of them. So it is what it is. Um, What else is going on in Bachelor Nation? The Claire Matt James thing seemed to have died down in the last week. Um, The fact is, we don't know if Matt's still going to be a contestant. One, they might not want him to be anymore. Two, he might not want to be anymore. And three, if they do bring him on, we really have a built-in storyline, kind of like Blake going into Bachelor in Paradise last season, conducting his own Bachelor season beforehand. I think the second, if Matt James ends up on Claire's season and they film Claire's season, this is going to be something that's going to be addressed. I can't imagine it doesn't get addressed right out of the limo because Claire has spoken about it. Matt addressed it himself without addressing a Claire, without addressing Claire by name. But, you know, hey, my cameo is for my charity. I don't see. I think Matt is missing the boat here. Claire wasn't calling him out for having a cameo. And I, I'm pretty sure Claire is fine with Matt donating any cameo money he makes to a charity. That's not her issue. I, I would think I, I can't speak for Claire, but I'm guessing she has a brain and isn't calling a guy out. It's the fact that he isn't even part of bachelor nation yet and was tagging his cameos, the bachelor. It's like, dude, slow your roll. I, I understand we're in a position that we've never been in before, which is contestants on the show actually have their phones before going on the show after they were announced. So we're in a we're in a weird situation. I just think Matt took advantage of that situation in a way that he probably shouldn't have. He should have just laid low. He should have stopped making TikTok videos. He should have stopped doing interviews. He should have stopped tagging his cameo with The Bachelor when he's not on The Bachelor yet. So I'm all for the guy doing a cameo and giving the money that he makes off cameo to charity. Good for him. But I don't think, but that's not what I believed Claire was into. Uh, I don't believe that she was calling him out for that. So, but we'll see. We just don't know what's going to happen. We're still a couple months away. I do think Claire's season is going to get filmed this summer, probably in July into August. Like I reported, they're going to choose one location. They're going to isolate the whole casting crew and no one's allowed in or out, and it's going to air in September. Does that mean The Bachelor's going to start in September? Again, we don't know just yet. It's just still too early to tell. But right now, the plan is Claire's season will film in July and August. It'll start airing in September. That'll take us through November. And a normal season of The Bachelor films September through the first, the week before Thanksgiving. Is that going to happen? We just don't know. But I did retweet an interview Chris Harrison did with Kristen Baldwin from EW.com yesterday. And Chris seems to think, well, Chris and Robert Mills have both said, Claire's our number one priority. Her season is what we want to do next. If they do that in July and August, I still think they probably will do Bachelor in September, but they'll probably have to do it like they do Claire's season. Is It would have to be in one place, unless major changes have been made in this country and everyone feels safe and travel is okay. Um, I doubt there would be international travel. Maybe they do U.S. travel and go by, you know, tour bus or something. They did that on Jake's season, I remember. So there's a lot of different moving parts. It's still all speculation at this point. But I can pretty much assure you that barring anything crazy happening with this virus 
and it doing a 180 and it you know it getting worse it seems like it's kind of leveling out seems like we're kind of plateauing a little bit and kind of heading for a downturn outside of something crazy happening i really do think that claire season will end up getting filmed this summer and air in september uh, in a one location place and they don't travel anywhere so that's what they have said that's what they're looking into i will keep you updated as as soon as i know more so um yeah so there we're at uh like i said this is uh podcast number 181 and one other thing last week's podcast with emily o'brien literally one of my favorite ones i've ever done not because of the subject and who i was interviewing it's because of what we talked about and i really hope you guys took the time to listen to that because this is coming from somebody that actually studies this for a living this is somebody who has a doctorate in epidemiology like i think what she says don't be scared by it Take what she says and listen to what she says about everything we covered. Vaccines, social distancing, is there going to be a second wave in the fall? All this stuff. She she knows her stuff, and that's why I wanted to have her on. It was great to have her on and finally get her on this podcast after after three and a half years. So if you haven't checked that out, please do. So uh, before we get started, uh, let's uh, take a break real quick and get our sponsor in. All right, let's bring her in. Uh, she's a stand-up comedian uh, that you've seen in her specials, Perfect, in 2016. Her most recent Netflix special, Bangin', came out last year. Uh, you saw her on Dancing with the Stars, albeit briefly, in 2018. Uh, she was a judge on Comedy Central's Roast Battles. She was also a featured roaster on the Comedy Central Roasts of Rob Lowe, Bruce Willis, and Alec Baldwin. She has her own radio show on Sirius XM called You Up. She's currently the host of Blind Date on Bravo. And just two weeks ago, you saw her on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, Celebrity Edition. Um, there's more, but those are the highlights. It is Nikki Glazer. Nikki, so glad to finally have you on. Oh, my gosh. Thank you for having me, and thank you for reading all my accomplishments. Uh, right? Uh, I'm I'm in my parents' kitchen where I've been living. Like, I don't live in my parents' kitchen, but I've been living at my parents' house for the past two months, and so I'm, I forget that I'm a big deal, but that sounded like an impressive person that you just, you just listed. Well, I mean, and you know what? <laughs> Actually, one I'm like I, I've done some stuff. Okay. Actually, one I might have missed when you were on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Jimmy introduced you, saying you have a new show coming out on E. But I couldn't find yeah. that anywhere. I'm guessing it got shut down because it's or put on hold right it now. It did. Okay. It was it was on hold and then it got shut down. Oh. And um, it's unfortunate, but um, it's it's all for the best. Like I am rolling with the punches of this pandemic. Pretty um, pretty proud of myself. I've lost like. You know, there are, I, everyone's kind of lamenting, like, I have a lot of other comedian friends who just started, like, I just started doing theaters, and that's where you make the big bucks in this business, like, yeah. the big bucks. And it's crazy. I didn't even know there was this kind of money to be made. And I'm not saying that to brag, like, oh, I'm making so much, like, it was just, I was just starting to, like, break into this new level that I was like, wow, I'm going to be really comfy, as so is everyone in my life. And then it all just kind of, like, you got, got taken out from under me. But I'm just, like... Dude, I'm grateful I even got to do, you know, nine sold out theater shows like uh, that. This could have happened last year, in which case I would have missed out on all the things I got to do in the past year. So I just look at this like everything that's happening is meant to be and and I can't really control it. So, yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah, I had a, I had a show on E and now I don't anymore, but it's fine. So it was it, never meant to be. Is it definitely done? Like there's no chance? Yeah. When this is, oh, okay. So it's not. Well, even. when the pandemic first happened, they were like, oh, we're, it's just on hold, you know? And then I got a call like, um, about a week and a half ago that it was like, yeah, this, we, no one can afford to make anything. We don't even know if TV exists anymore, let alone a TV show. Like it's getting to that point where it's like, what is even like, is there going to be any money? And I just, I just had an interesting call about um, the way TV is working right now in terms of, and radio in terms of advertising. It's not that people aren't, um, first of all, uh, advertisers, people aren't buying so lots of things and the people that are bu buying stuff, the people, the things that are selling, they don't need to advertise because they can't keep a Peloton. It like Peloton doesn't need to advertise. Any food, you know, like um, those food service, like Blue Apron, they're like, we don't need to advertise because you either you either don't need to advertise right now or you or it doesn't matter because no one can have what you're making, gotcha. you know, like no one can use what you're making. So like 
it's it's just changing the whole landscape. It's going to be interesting. You mentioned, and if anybody's followed you on Instagram, like you said, over the last two months, you've gone home to Missouri. You're staying at your parents. You're doing a lot of stuff there. Is your is your writing material constant? Are you just writing material now constantly for when this ends because you have nothing to do? Or is it is it harder now because you're not experiencing life on a daily basis because there's not much to do. Right. There, there is that. My life is just monotonous, you know, and all of our lives are that it's just the same thing day after day. And there, you know, we, we experience that just talking to our friends. We're like, Oh, there's really not much to catch up on. Like what, you know, we're not doing anything. So I feel that, but at the same time, I, I have been working my little tail off. I mean, I do, uh, I do a radio show every day. I, I'm doing any podcast that will have me on it, i.e. I'm here right now. <laughs> I am, you know, I'm, I'm constantly on the phone. I'm constantly doing interviews. So I'm staying really busy. And I think for me, material in terms of stand-up is not generated by me sitting down and writing. It never has been. It's just been me doing a lot of talking, a lot of hanging out, a lot of socializing, and then writing things down. Luckily, I'm living with my parents. So, you know, I talk to them. I'll say something funny. I'll be like, oh, that could be a joke. I'll write it down. Yeah. So I'm, I think I'm still, I'm, but I'm not generating as much material just by virtue of not doing stand up because that's how I write is really just being on stage and, and working things out and just bringing up ideas. So until I get back out there, uh, stand ups, stand ups kind of stalled out. Yeah. I mean, you need crowds to do a show, a stand up, whether yeah, it's, whether it's in a club might, or a theater, you know? I might do a Zoom show coming up. Like there's a lot of uh, different Zoom stand up shows happening. And I'm so nervous to do it because it's just, I, you know, I haven't done stand up for two months. That's the longest I've taken off in 16 years, you know? It's crazy. So it's, it scares me to even think about doing it, but I might do like a guest set and do like a five minute set on, on a, on a show or something, something like that. Just because I, I want to, I want to see that I still have it because I just thought the other day, I was like, Oh my God, two months ago, I was doing an hour and 20 minutes of new material and if you asked me to start doing stand up right now, I and by the way, before walking on stage, like I would be like smoking pot, I'm hanging out with my friends, I'm singing songs. Like I wasn't like like memorizing lines. Like I was I had my set in my like it, I was so comfortable with it. It was so exciting. I would it would take on new shapes and and every day, but I was having fun. It wasn't something that I was like plagued over. And now if you asked me to do stand up tonight, I would be it would be like I was starting new. I would be so nervous. Like, I think all of that's going to come back. All those things that I had conditioned myself to like be rid of all the nerves are going to come back, but I think it's good. I needed a little kick in the butt. I was I'm, getting too comfortable. I'm just curious. Cause of what you just said, like you said, if you were to have to do a stand up show tonight, you'd be like, wow, I'm, I'm not ready. Could you like, I mean, I do it and I kill, but I, yeah. it, it, it makes me nervous. You know, could you, it, it would just, I would have to think about it a little bit. And whereas if, it, you know, two months ago, I didn't have to think about anything before I went on stage. I literally could be talking to you about how your grandmother has COVID. And then I would literally be like, I'm so sorry to hear that. And be like, one second. Hey guys, how are you tonight? Like I didn't, I didn't need any kind of like meditative moment before I went on stage. And now it's just gonna, I'm going to have to prepare a little bit more. It's not going to be so um, reflexive. Could you literally, if I asked you, not that I'm going to, but if I asked you, could you literally um, recite your set for banging? Like, could you do it right off the top of your head no. right now? Oh, that is so gone. Okay. I, wow. I, people quote my jokes back to me, and I'm like, I literally like, don't remember I that. that. I pretty <laughs> much dump it. I dump it right after I do it. It's and sometimes I'll listen back and, and have to hear a clip of mine because I'll do an interview and they'll start with a clip, and so I have to listen to myself. But um, I have not watched Banging or listened to Banging since um, I edited it, and I would have preferred not to have to even do that. Like I, I like just doing a performance and then never looking at it again or having to like answer to it. But um, no, I don't. I, I when when I stop doing a joke, I really forget about it. I never thought early on in my career that I would ever forget a joke. I used to like be like, how could you ever forget a joke? Like that just seems insane to me. You work so hard to create them and then you say them hundreds of times. How could you forget it? And then you just get fucking old yeah. and you smoke too much pot and they kind of just disappear. See, I grew up on stand-up comedy. I can remember being in fifth and sixth grade and my parents let me watch the Rodney Dangerfield specials on HBO. And I would sit there and yeah. come up from school and memorize every single person's act. Uh -huh. I loved it. And, and I've always grown I'm... up on it. I love stand up. I love going to clubs. I've seen you three times now, I think in person. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, um, but I've noticed how comedy has changed obviously with social media now. 
I, would you say it's harder to be a comic now than say 20, 25 years ago? Or is it easier? Um, I wouldn't know because I just you wasn't doing it back then. then. But, but if I could go back and do it again, um, no, because I don't think it was as rooted in honesty back then. I mean, some guys were doing that. Some guys were really telling it like it is, but it wasn't like the popular yeah. way. Um, and there were those guys were kind of outliers, the Hicks and the Priors and the Carlins that were just like really vulnerable. I just think that now there's, it's just a better place for me because that's not that I'm, I would compare myself to those guys, but I like comedy that is more conversational, but with really good jokes yeah. and, and as a woman, I just feel like it was just harder back then. It's easier now. There's still things that are suck about it. But at the same time, I say that it's like it, it, it just was harder being a woman back then and in this business. And just because you see the road ahead, like the, the there wasn't the Me Too movement. Like there are so many things now that I benefit from having done comedy now. But as a comedian, like. Yeah, you're competing against. I heard Bill Hader and Conan talking about on his podcast last night about how when YouTube came out, you just started suddenly comedy was competing with just everyone having a camera t documenting every funny thing that could ever possibly happen. Like your 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 uncle tripping and falling and falling on ice and then skidding across the ice and then fall, like landing in a big pile of rhino poop. Like things are happening like that all around us and now they're being documented. Yeah. And how do you compete with that as a, as a comedian? And so there's something about that, but stand up just, I don't know. I just feel like it's, it's a, it's a great time to be a stand up. I mean, right now it's not, but you know, two months ago, it was a great time to be a stand up. Yeah, see, I, I really love your humor and look, it's not for everyone. And, but it, it, the funny thing is it bothers me when I see people send comments directed at you. And sometimes you screenshot them and put them on your Instagram story. When people say mostly guys and saying like, uh, stop talking about your vagina and sex and blowjobs. And look, banging was an awesome special, but it is mostly an hour of sex talk, which yeah. I think while the material might make some people uncomfortable, I think you do it in such a blunt and funny way that to me, those people just come across as, well, you're just uptight. And you know, I, so how difficult yes. hearing that as a comic Oh, stop talking about sex so much. I, I know that great. Uh, it just makes me it just makes me realize that they are not paying attention. Like they just maybe heard one joke of mine or they saw like a, uh, a meme where it was like a caption of one of my jokes. And then they just write me off as whatever they want. It just I don't get as offended as like, oh, that's all they think of me is like, oh, they're just not they don't get me. So that's fine. Mm. And I, it's so funny to be thought of as like a sex comic because. I mean, I do. Yeah, my whole special was about sex, but I like don't even have sex. I haven't had sex in so long. None of my material right now is even like I, I always said this. I was always like, I talk about sex because it's what I'm interested in. <laughs> and I'm like, as soon as I'm not interested in it, I won't talk about it. And I never knew that that was true because I just couldn't see a world in which I wasn't interested in it. Or I guess I couldn't see a world in which I that's not the first joke I wanted to make or the first thing I want to talk about, but it truly is right now. Like all my material I'm generating now has nothing to do with sex. And it's just as funny as my jokes about sex. Good. Then so I, I just, you about it then. yeah, yeah. I, I think maybe I'll lose that eventually. Um, but it's not a goal of mine. Like I just reserve the right to go back and become a sex comic again. If I want to, yeah. like, it's just, as long as it's authentic and I'm telling the truth, then I'm, I'm good with it. That's the thing. You're not just like trying to create a joke. These are like real things that the people in the audience, you know, are sitting there going, yeah, exactly. That's what my boyfriend does. Or that's what, you know, that's what he does to me in bed and says this stuff. I mean, it's, it's just yes. funny. I mean, and, and you like, it's no one else is talking like uh, i mean lots of people are talking about sex but i feel like the things that i kind of tackled i didn't hear anyone else talking about and to me they were like these very egregious things that were happening behind closed doors that men were not communicating and so i just it, i love taking a place where you're not allowed to talk about what happens like while it's happening you have to be totally detached from it and act like it didn't happen right after it happened i if those are the places i want to go and pick apart and like talk about on stage and Sex just happens to be that. It's just like so taboo. It's and it's really stupid that it's taboo. It's like yeah. how we all got here and it's what we all care about. So I just I don't I feel like I'm like, oh good. I'm glad no one else feels as comfortable talking about it as as I do because this is like 
you know, there's a lot to there's a lot to pull from because people are so scared to talk about it. It hasn't even all been talked about yet. Another thing that I love watching, and I probably still have about ten of them saved on my DVR, and I'll just watch them periodically when I'm bored, is the Comedy Central roasts. And the the crazy thing about the roasts are, I, I know it's all in good fun, and everyone going in knows exactly what it's about. Well, maybe Ann Coulter didn't. She looked horrified to be up there. But even though it's all right. in good fun, and how difficult how difficult is it? To get up there so, and completely lay into oh. someone who's in the industry, you probably didn't meet until rehearsals, and then you're just shitting on them. Like that's, that's not be difficult weird. for oh, it me. Isn't, that's really. not that part is not difficult. Um, the difficult part is is acing it and having the best jokes and making a set that has a beginning, middle, and end. Um, having being as funny as possible, delivering the jokes as clearly as possible. Um, leaving room for moments th- that, you know, are like unintentionally fun, like things that you can't foresee, yeah. like being primed enough to be in that moment that night and just have a, a, a great set is, is the most work I've ever put into anything is like, I run myself ragged preparing for roast. I really do. Like mm. in the month prior, I just go on stage every single night, multiple times, writing jokes, emailing with writers about jokes, hiring people to write for me, reading jokes all day long, picking those jokes, trying them out at night, having a friend come with me to write notes about those jokes, reviewing it afterwards. I mean, it's like so tiresome that after when I'm finally up there, I'm like, this is the easy part because I generally know that I have an award, like a great set because I've been running it so much that it's, it's tested, you know? Of the three that you did, the three Comedy Central roasts that you did, did anybody ever get offended or say something to you afterwards like, hey, that might have crossed the line? Did anybody? N- n- no. N- I mean, with, I, I, Comedy Central didn't want me to do some jokes about Caitlyn Jenner that I was doing up until the night before the roast. And they had seen me do them around town. Mm-hmm. And they had warned me like, hey, you might want to not do those jokes. We're worried. And I was like, until I hear it from her, I'm not going to pull back and I was like just get her to say that she doesn't want jokes about her car accident and boom I won't do it and then they got her to say I mean eventually she like did say that not because they told her but because someone someone at a club had told her that someone was doing I like actually me I was doing jokes about her car accident and it got back to her and she was like I will walk off stage if someone makes a joke about that so as soon as I heard that I was like oh I, I won't do those jokes but no one's ever gotten mad about a joke the night in the moment i don't think that i've seen okay um but i know in the past like didn't um ludicrous got mad when someone made a paul walker joke uh at uh at the roast of justin bieber and i remember that was like and then you know steve-o got mad about an amy schumer joke that she made about yeah and which was ridiculous because it wasn't even a a joke about like you know when people get upset up there if you've noticed it's usually like people like actors or that don't have a real good sense of humor like it's just like they made like steve-o just heard one like heard his friend's name and then had a blank look on his face and then the cameras went to him and he looked so disturbed and so sad that it looked like she offended everyone when really the joke killed in the room so it's just like they can kind of build it out to be like oh people are more upset than they are but i really do think ludicrous like got upset about the paul walker joke yeah i don't think that ended up making the final cut thinking of the Bieber. Oh yeah. Myself. You know what? It, it did get You're cut. right. It was just written about. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, one thing that I, obviously I, I'm known for and what I cover on my podcast and my website is covering the bachelor uh, and bachelorette, which I know you're a fan of. Um, yes. And for people that don't remember you along with, <laughs> along with Amy Schumer and I believe it was Rachel Feinstein and Bridget Everett were on Caitlin season during a group date. Yep. It was the one yep. where uh, Amy called JJ a turd, which was hilarious. Um, oh, yeah. He was. What do you remember <laughs> that- most about that group date and just being on the show for that episode? Um, I take that back. I actually like JJ in the end. Um, I, uh, okay. Th- that that episode for me was just a huge, like, I, re- I was so sad because I realized that it was the half, it, it was the first date. And so it was just half the guys. And I got, the half that didn't include uh, Ben Higgins, who is like my favorite person. Like, I think the best looking guy in the world. I was like in love with him. I still am. He's engaged and I'm letting it go, but whatever. (laughs) Um, 
But I was I always lamented that like I could have met him if he had been included in that date uh, group. But um, it was I I experienced what it was like to have cameras on you and forget that they're on you and have conversations where you're like because at the end of the day you were just like wanting to talk shit with the guys about this experience and about the other guys and like what has this been like because they were they had just done the the first night the limo getting out of the limo was the night before and then the next day they're at the improv all day writing stand-up and being like coached by us and so there were a lot of moments just to be like what is this like why what are you doing why are you here and then you would just turn around and there would you you could see a cameraman across the room like zooming in and you literally forget that you're being filmed so i kind of got the sense that it's you really do forget like these people are really actually having real experiences that you know, might be heightened for the camera, but that's what I love about reality shows is that you can only be fake for so long. You're going to get to see people being pretty real. Yeah, without a doubt. And, you know, you've, like I said, you've been on that and you've talked about uh, The Bachelor and Bachelorette on podcasts and stuff. Do you have a favorite season? Do you have a favorite, outside of Ben Higgins, um, do you have a favorite season, a favorite moment that you're just like, this was TV gold? God, that's a good question. Now, like, I don't know why none are coming to mind right now, which is kind of like a bad sign. I just remember there was one moment that (laughs) I'll never forget is that, um, and this is so obscure, but it was Caitlin getting broken up with by, I guess, Farmer, you know? And they were in like... Bali. Yeah, they were in Bali. And she was wearing, she gets into a car and she's sobbing and she puts on her seatbelt as she's crying and she looks like she's like devastated and her life cannot go on yet. There's, there's some kind of hope in the idea of putting on a seatbelt while you're sobbing. You're like, that person's going to be okay. Like they care about the future. Like they, they at least want to make it. They want, cause I would be like, leave it off. I hope we drive off a fucking cliff, you know? (laughs) And I just remember being very inspired and encouraged by Caitlin's fortitude in that moment. But, um, yeah, I've done like the Bachelor after the Rose um, things. I really like uh, a Bachelor in Paradise. I like seeing people like really drunk and off the rails and like really not in it to find love, <laughs> even though a lot of love has come out of that. Yeah. I just, um, I'm looking forward to Claire's season, even though they are begging people to sign up for it, which is just so funny and sad to me to see on when I watch Listen to Your Heart. Yeah. Uh, every time they go to commercial and come back, I mean, they're wasting like a lot of ad space to be like, Please, someone date this haggard old woman. We can't get a say. We can't get anyone. But I and the thing is, it's not true. She looks amazing. Yeah. It's just that they they didn't really. Nick Vial explained it to me that they weren't they weren't ready for her, um, like her to be an older bachelorette, and so they have all these young guys because they were casting for like thinking they were gonna have a young bachelorette. And then suddenly they were like, oh, we're going to get an old one. So now they have to like refill the the pond with some older dudes. So that's why they're like calling out like anyone. We know you've been at home for a really long time and you haven't seen a woman. Does this one look appropriate to you? <laughs> Would you want to marry this woman who's in her dun, 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 late 30s? Like, yeah, good, just good just, Lord. you know, are, do you like cobwebs on your way to, you know, pussy? <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it's I just I think it's yeah, it's I understand what they're doing now because, yeah, they were probably planning for a Hannah yeah. Ann or Madison bachelorette season. And then, yes, yeah, so they have a bunch of young guys and Claire's like, what, you know, what the fuck? I bet she's so glad that it's delayed because it's like, yeah, guys, she probably got to the first night and was like, all these guys are too young. They have like a weird like, you know, stepmom fetish. This is weird for me. And she probably told the producers like, OK, use this quarantine to go get some fresh dick up in up in this piece. <laughs> Because these boys, I can't take them seriously. Um, Dancing with the Stars is something that you participated in briefly. Um, I, it's a show that I've watched. Since- yeah, I got a participa- <laughs> participation trophy is what you get when you <laughs> voted off first. But you have talked about this. I've seen numerous interviews that you've done. And you said this was the most fun thing and also one of the hardest things you've ever done in your life. Explain, yeah. explain to everyone how hard it is. To just do that, whatever, two weeks that you had probably leading up to it. Maybe it was more. Maybe it was three weeks of practice. But how yeah. difficult that process is to be on that show. And you were only on um, one week. 
I was only on one week, so I only got a taste of it. And truly, the the part I was involved in, no one was really stressing that schedule. Like it was like me and the uh, and Bobby Bones were the ones that were probably working super hard the first month, and like re- like not. I don't want to say that no one else was working hard, but no one else worked themselves to the bone. I knew that I wasn't going to last on the show, so I wanted to give it my. I was working as hard as possible early on. And my partner, Gleb, was like, Nikki, you need to save energy because this gets harder and harder and harder. And I was like, Gleb, we are not going to last long enough for anything to get harder. Like, this is as hard as it's going to get. I have to give this my all. Um, and, and I, because I just knew. But, like, the if you're, it's so hard if you're a bad dancer. I mean, I really, I have special needs when it comes to dancing. If, if, if I've realized that about myself, I... I am a worse dancer than most people are naturally. Like I, I would need to be in a special class. If, if dance school was like regular school, I would be taken out and like, I would be on the short bus. You know what I'm saying? Like I, 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 they should have applauded me more because of my, if, yeah, I feel like I, I did feel like a disabled person. And I know that's like not nice to say because people are disabled and actually can't dance, but I really did. One time I watched a video of myself with my dance partner, Gleb, who was supposed to be only encouraging to me. And I was like, watched it. And I started crying because it looked so much worse than I thought it was in my head. And he was like, Nikki, it's good. It's good. And I was like, if you told me that this girl had just learned to walk after a massive car accident like two weeks ago, I would still be disappointed in her. And he started laughing so hard that he couldn't stop. And like, he started crying on camera and he was like, he got almost embarrassed for how hard he was laughing because it was true. Like I was truly a bad dancer. So yeah, that was hard. It was emotionally hard being so bad at something. I don't usually do things I'm bad at. Yeah. No, I mean, in I, fact, I, I run from them. I, I I remember watching it and I was like, oh man, that sucks that Nikki's only on one week. But you know, it is what it is. It's it's not an easy show. It's obviously become a, a popularity contest more so than than dancing, I would say. But you know, that's that's what happens. Um. We got about five yes. minutes. We got about five minutes left here. I want to run over uh, some quick things with you. Um, just some quick answers here. Uh, the best gig you've ever done? Ah, uh, best gig I've ever done. I guess maybe crowd or atmosphere or location. <sighs> Do you have one that was memorable to you? No, I wish I did. I like. I, bet, I think I bet you can remember your worst gig home- though. I, what about your worst gig? My worst gig was performing at the um, Des Moines Funny Bone in like 2006. And I was, I didn't even have the 20 minutes of material, but I was supposed to be up there for that long. And within five minutes, I was ran off stage and like hid in a storage closet crying because they were, they were heckling me so much and being so mean. And I was bombing so hard that I just ran off stage and like hid in a closet. And the owner came in and like talked to me and was so nice and I thought I was going to be fired, but he was really nice to me because they were like really, it was an army base that like just had the night off. And so they got wasted and were just telling me to take off my shirt, like just sexually harassing me. Like it was terrible. And, um, and in the end, like they all got in trouble and had to do like a really grueling exercise the next morning, all hungover because, um, there's like drill sergeant guy talked to me after the show and was like, those boys are going to be punished for how they treated you tonight. So that was the worst gig, but it, it had a good revenge story at the end of it. Is that the worst heckler story that you probably have? People telling you to like take off your top or something? or were there- Yeah, I mean, there's been girls that are like, the worst is when it's just a girl who is just like, ew, or like gross, like a, a, a hot girl. Like that's kind of my biggest fear is like cool girls thinking I'm gross and, uh, you know, that happens quite often where, like, a girl will literally, literally go, ew. And then now I know, I just go, oh, whatever you just ooed, it's because it reminds you of yourself. So I know for a fact, based on that ooh that you just had for that joke, that's happened to you. So everyone, um, this girl has shit during sex before. I just want you to know that. And she can't even say she does it. She she can't even, like, I, I catch them so quickly. I, I always nail it because... It's so transparent. If you um, if you don't like something, it's because it's it reminds you of yourself. Okay, I want to end. On, I want to end on this note. Recently, uh, and it's one of the reasons, other than your comedy, that I love you is that we have a mutual admiration for Taylor Swift. Um, oh, really? Yes. Yes. I've se- which which by the way, which concerts have you seen of hers live? Um, 
I have only seen red, unfortunately. Really? I was supposed to go to Reputation and um and I had to shoot something, so I set my mom and sister in my place and then uh You didn't see nineteen eighty nine. You know, I was planning on no, I didn't. Wow. I I don't know how I missed that. You know what I did see? I saw her actually I've seen her t- live twice. I saw her at like this private uh concert um in New York for the premiere of nineteen eighty nine. She did like four songs on this like rooftop. It was incredible. Okay. You uh, yeah. you recently did a sixty four song bracket for all of her songs. Yes. Um, if possible, give me. It's it's going to be tough to nail down. Maybe you have. I don't know. Give me your top five all all time songs of hers. Oh yeah, I can find my bracket. I just have it in the other room. This will be easy <laughs> for me. I would like to add "Cruel Summer" to it because that was not a part of the bracket. Really, and I okay. felt like that wasn't um, right. So "Cruel Summer" is definitely going to be on my top five. Um, number one was 15. I stand by that, but it's not that easy. Like it's, I have a, a, I have mixed feelings about the song 15. I just, I love it, but it just feels, um, like I kind of picked that one. It won the bracket because I feel like I'm 15 living at home with my parents. (laughs) So I think that's more of it. I'm just like, keep feeling younger and younger as I, as the months progress here at my parents' house, I pretty soon my mom is going to be bathing me in the sink. Um, but I, uh, all too well, obviously. Yes. Um, that's, uh, that's a given that's top three on any list. Anybody should. Yes. Always. List. Yes. It's, it's one of the best, uh, delicate and, mm. um, and this is going to be the weird one. Uh, uh, me, I really love me. Really? Okay. No, I mean, yes. plenty of people love it. Some people got played out by it because it came like too commercial and it was people everywhere. Hate but- it. People are mad about me. They're like, I, I am on the, uh, the Taylor Swift Reddit and I don't want to say people hate it because no one hates anything she does on there. And we all love everything. But as far as like singles go, Taylor Swift fans are mad about me. And I thought it's just everything she wanted that song to be. It is for me. It like really does make me feel like, confident and excited and i love it and i love the man like i love i I mean i could go on and on yeah yeah it's it's tough to limit it to just five i would say um we're never ever getting back together is just always going to be in my top five i I love that yes classic um lover is now in my top five uh all too well for sure and then uh probably uh, either wildest dreams or um Style or style. I, I, to, I was gonna say to me yeah, those two are like so hard two. to choose between. Yeah, it's like they're one song to me. I can I, I can I include them as one song and then I'll. Yeah, it, I. You know what? They've never made my top list, but that's the thing I love about Taylor Swift is that now that I've been like thinking about this so much and people have gotten back to me about how they feel about um, their favorite songs, Wildest Dreams and um, Style. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna give them a second chance because I don't know why they didn't stand up to me. And now I'm really seeing style i'm like i'm so into it right now and that's what i love about her music is that at any given time my favorite song of all time will be whatever song i'm super into yeah and 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 i can just revisit ones and fall in love with them again they all have like a special meaning to my heart yeah she's got so many great hits and i mean it's just it really is hard to nail it down to five but yeah the, i, I love her i five but uh nikki Thank you so much for doing this. I'm so glad I was able to get you on, and uh, I really appreciate you doing this. Good luck with everything uh, in the future. Hopefully, you know uh, we can get back out. You know, you can get back out there on stage once crowds are allowed. I guess. I mean, who knows when this is yeah. going to be possible? But it, um, I really don't know when it's going to lift either. But uh, yeah. it, who knows? But someday, yeah. Or see me on Zoom at a club near you. Yeah, definitely. Uh, again, thank <laughs> you so much, Nikki, for for coming on. Thank you. Thought. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was fun. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much to Nikki for coming on. Like I said, I've been after her for a while now. I think the first time I emailed her was during the summer of 2018. And it was after I saw her at, perform here in Dallas. She performed at the Addison Improv. For those that are in Dallas, that's where I have my live. The only live podcast I've done with Olivia Caridi was at the Addison Improv. Nikki performed there. I saw her after the show, shook her hand and said, hey, I covered The Bachelor. Would love to have you on the podcast someday. She's like, yeah, sure. Email me. So I emailed her. But that summer is when she ended up being on Dance with the Stars. So I was wondering, I was, I knew then why she didn't email me right back. And then I would check in like every six months, like, hey, want to see if you can come on still? And she's like, I've got this. I've this, got this coming up. I got this. But definitely hit me back at during this point. And then the quarantine hit. And I'm like, okay, this has got to be the best time where she's, uh, where I got to have her. But 
even when I recorded with her, she literally had a 30 minute window. She had a call uh, before me and she had a call after me business meetings of stuff that she's got in the works. So I'll take what I can get uh, when it comes to Nikki Glazer. She's one of my favorite comedians out there. Uh, and like we talked about, she's not for everybody. She is very, very sexual in her comedy. At least the banging special was on Netflix. If you've seen it, it is, it's very sexual, but it's very funny. And, um, I just, I get a kick out of her. I think she's great because she's very smart with her sex talk. It's not just like cheap blowjob jokes and whatnot. I really think that she puts a lot of thought into her stuff and is very smart about it. Does it make people uncomfortable? Absolutely. Um, there are times where I sit there and I'm like, whoa, glad I'm not watching this with a woman. Uh, but yeah, she's, but she's really funny. If you've ever seen her, uh, I just, I, I understand comedy is subjective and some of you probably hate her guts. Just don't feel the need to tell her you hate her guts. Just move on. Um, I think she's hilarious. So there you go. Uh, thank you all again for tuning in uh, to to Nikki this week. And, um, you know, we've got more podcasts coming in the in the future weeks. We've got the next three or four lined up as well. Um, I, uh, again, if you want, if you're interested in N95 masks, my dad is handling it. Email me at steve at realitysteve.com. We're looking at four to six weeks delivery time right now. And it's a minimum order of 600 pieces. I will put you in touch with him. He will give you all the details. Any orders you place are, are going through him, but uh, he knows I have an audience that has an interest in this. A lot of you have emailed me. We've already been sold out of the first shipment, uh, so that's good. Um, but the second shipment now, like I said, it's going to be about four to six weeks before it arrives, but these are um, high-quality masks coming from overseas, and obviously that's why it takes a little bit of time. But uh, if you're interested, email me at steve at realitysteve.com. And I will forward you on uh, to my father, who will take care of it. So for Nikki Glazer, I'm Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. I really appreciate it. And we will talk to you next week. See you.